We just sang some powerful songs about a glorious day that's coming. Each and every one of you must be prepared for that. Because we are one day closer. How often are we focused in on the temporal? And yes, we've got responsibilities on the temporal side of things, but if you're not prepared for His coming, then you will be forever separated from God. You must be born again. You must be born again. And you know what's going to be one of the neat, neat things about that glorious day? God will be vindicated. Jesus will be vindicated after how many thousands of years of Satan, the enemy, counterfeiting and deceiving people. And there will come a day where Satan will be put in his place finally for good. And Jesus will receive all the glory. And I I hope that we can be a people that are excited about that. Um, Here this morning we're looking at uh, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 14 through 20. And there's quite, uh, as we say, quite a mouthful here. And um, I've entitled this message, Life in the Zone. And um, some of us would like... um, Life in the sleeping zone a little bit more. Some of us would like life in the uh, at the fishing hole a little bit more, or the or the hunting uh, a little longer on the hunting trips or something. It's like we we're in a zone. They say athletes are some athletes they're in a zone when they're shooting the ball or or doing whatever they're doing. They're in a zone. And um, we, pretty much predominantly we, like our comfort zone. Amen? We like our comfort zone. And yet, uh, the Bible tells us that you as a Christian, we're in the battle zone. We're not always um, able to be in the, quote, comfort zone that we call for, that we would like. But I tell you one thing, we are. We are in a battle zone. And if we're not ready for that, um, we will be caught unaware. We will be caught and end up downcast, discouraged, whatever it might be. Now, remember this. Um, I think it was David that mentioned it at prayer time. There is no one greater than God. Satan is not greater than God. Satan is not able to match God in anything. God rules and reigns over all. God is sovereign. God is almighty. God is the most high God. Satan is a created being. So anything that we talk about, you and I need to remember that about the enemy. Okay? Although there are situations in our lives that tend to make us think that God's not there or God has kind of walked away or whatever and that kind of you know, the enemy has taken over or whatever. We've got to come back to the Word of God and let the Word of God counsel us in these areas because we can easily get lost and in a fog of what's going on. I know that. Most of us, we, we, we've been in a, quote, fog and not, it's like not being able to see what God's trying to do. 
But don't get into the thinking that, you know, God's uh, taken off and, and just departed or something. God doesn't do that to his children. So we need to understand and accept the fact that we are in a battle zone. And um, let me just throw this in as a little extra. We're not in a demilitarized zone where there's, you know, um, there's a break in it for us. No, there's no demilitarized zone for the, for the Christian. I would say, though, just to throw this one out also, we, we do get into demoralized zones when we are not prepared with the armor of God. Last week, we talked about the enemy of God and how to understand that and be aware of it. Today, we're talking about the equipment that the believer has at his disposal. Okay? And so that's what we're talking about today. And so number one, if you want to follow along in your outline, is the soldier's standard equipment. Standard. It's not, it's not extra whatever, you know, you've got to pay extra for it. It's the standard equipment that the believer has to put on. Now, before we get into looking at these items in the armor of God, we need to understand that there are plenty of imitations at our disposal. Plenty of imitations for the believer's armor. Don't get caught up in imitations. And what I mean by that is, for instance, the, um, the helmet of salvation or the breastplate of righteousness. Those kind of things. Um, I'm sure that Satan would love to give you a Kmart version of one. In other words, a man-made type of thing. There's significance to that concept that you're wearing a man-made kind of armor thinking that you're set against the enemy or set with God. But don't get caught up in man-made armor. This is designed in heaven. It's customized by the Savior himself. It's not got anything man-made to it. It's not made in China, not made in Mexico. It's from heaven. It's divine armor. And we need to be a people that are more aware of it and more ready with it. Okay? And it's tough because we are. There's, there's times where we're, we're uh, you know, you go on vacation or something. You, 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 know, you kick back and you feel like, hey, everything's relaxed now. The Bible doesn't tell us we're all of a sudden, you know, in a, in a zone where, it's, it's, where the battle's not happening. The battle continues on. So we've got to understand the, the pieces of the armor. So we look at verse... Well, let me start reading at verse 10, okay? Just to pick it up there. Chapter, uh, Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith 
with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And so this morning we start with these uh, portions of the the armor of God. And so we start with um, letter A under number one. It's the soldier's standard equipment. We start with the belt of truth. And it's mentioned first because this is what you would put on first and really, literally wrap around you. Okay? Wrap around you in your midsection area. Its placement and purpose gave protection and allowed uh, for those in Oriental, more, uh, or, you know, with uh, the, the robes that would be flowing robes, you know, when you needed to, you pull them up and gird them around your belt and allow you for quick, unhindered movement especially when it was time for soldiers in combat and struggle. So Paul is saying here that truth is what comes first for us and must be wrapped around our lives, around the very core of our lives to help us in all that we do, in all of our activities, to move about knowing that we're girded with the truth. Keep things together, so to speak, in the best way. Now, we know... That Satan is a liar. He wants to distort. He wants to deceive. And really, he, he's very effective at it. And we need to understand that the Bible here says, put, uh, put the belt of truth around you. And the emphasis is that you put it on. You do it, Christian. You put the belt of truth around you. And what is that? It's, well, it's in a big general sense, the Word of God. The more that you are taking on the Word of God and thinking of it as wrapped around your, your core, the core of your body. Okay? That's what he wants us to do. You yourself must gird yourself. That's the idea in it. Repetitive, emphatic. You yourself, you, you put this on. Wrap it around you. Some of you uh, uh, recall um, Aaron Rodgers in his commercial, you know, or even in a football game, the quarterback, he, he celebrates a touchdown by doing this. And he, you know, what he's doing there is he's mimicking, um, as I understand it, Green Bay fans, you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, mimicking a wrestling belt that he's putting around and showing that, you know, they're champions kind of thing, you know. And um, that's the idea. And that's what it is for us. Do we, do we have that around us? It's protection. And really, the, um, the Bible is full of, statement, of, of verses about it. 3 John. 3 John, you can just mark it down. We're not going to go there. But 3 John says, says it so well, along with 2 John. 2 John mentions it also. I have no greater joy than to he- hear this, that my children are what? Walking in the truth. Okay. So what is truth? That was a question that, you know, 
Pilate asked, what is truth? And here he was looking at the embodiment of truth when he asked that question. What, a, what an amazing scene that must have been. Well, truth, <laughs> it's really that which uh, corresponds to what is, what is real. Okay? When it comes to one's search for truth, it gets so easy to be distracted too. And why is that? When you know of someone, let's say you know of someone and they're, they're just searching, that, that general kind of feeling of searching. Why is it that there's such an ease in which to get distracted by things? It's because Satan is the author of all and every counterfeit belief system. So we need to wrap ourselves with that truth. Okay. Now notice, um, again, I think it's, it's real easy for us to flirt with um, um, all sorts of stories and myths, uh, um, gossip, lies, all sorts of things that get thrown in, in our way and th- um, put forth in our minds. And we need to remember to wrap ourselves in the truth. Now, it's important also, while we're talking about this, to remember... Don't wrap yourselves, don't gird yourselves with feelings. This is a a big issue, folks. It's like the way we respond to life situations, we're responding more like we've got ourselves girded up with our feelings. God wants us to be girded up with His truth and to speak that truth in a loving manner, right? So... Jesus said that he is the truth in John 14, 6. And he said in Psalm 119, thy word, I'm sorry, John 17, thy word is truth. So Jesus promised that the truth has power to make us free. You can jot down John chapter 8, verse 32. You'll know the truth and the truth will, what? Set you free. So Christian, you're be girded about with truth. Is that the case? Do I respond in that way where I'm thinking about that, that issue? Or do I respond more with my feelings? I want to respond more and more to life situations with wisdom based on the truth of God's word. Okay? So um, there's some uh, to think about and consider regarding the belt of truth. Uh, letter B, the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness means doing right. which leads to being right. Behavior that follows up with the fact that you're doing right. You're you're being right. Right behavior. Possessing the breastplate of righteousness is the result of Jesus Christ. Period. It's the result of His work. His perfect work of redemption. His perfect work of salvation, which is something that is available for all. It's only secured, though, by faith in Jesus Christ. It's very important that we get this understood. If I could secure uh, my way with God and make things right with God, if I could do that on my own, by, based on my good works, then think of this. I could then 
in essence, in, in eternity, continue to receive praise for what I did. I mean, and you guys would be left out of the picture because you didn't figure it out. <laughs> Think of that. If we could do it out of good works, then, then you'd be, you know, saying, well, I did it this way. I did it this way. And that's the point. The Bible tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Isaiah tells us your righteous deeds are like what? Bill Gunn? Yes, indeed. Filthy rags. I saw him mouth it there and I wanted him to say it. it, it that's the way. And, and we could collectively do all of our good works together and still fall short. Do you understand that? that? So therefore, you are in need. Not just some of you guys over here and you guys get off. No, all of us are in need of His righteousness. His breastplate of righteousness. What does the breastplate do? It's not your you know, little cardboard thing. I'm ready. No. It's a soldier's breastplate. And it's going to cover you, you know, in, in your torso area. You can get shot in the leg and still survive. But you get shot somewhere in your torso. Wait a minute now. Whoa. Where's the medic? We got problems. So it, it's something that covered you. And your internal, you know, the, the key vital organs. So this breastplate depicts the covering, the protection that Christ's righteousness gives to the believing soul. And that's something we ought to glory in. I'd say this covering, this protection, this breastplate has a twofold kind of understanding to it. Number one, the context obviously points to the fact that we're covered and protected from whose attacks? Satan's. But there's a second side of it that we could also understand and that it, this breastplate serves as my identification as one of God's very own. Because it's why? It's, it's His righteousness. It's His, the, the breastplate of righteousness. It identifies us as God's own as it shows we are safe and secure from God's coming judgment and wrath. God's coming judgment and wrath will come. We don't know when, but, you know, the wrath of God is upon people that are apart from Christ. It's there. It's upon them is what the Bible says. So, we must understand that is a reality. That's a truth from the Bible putting us on warning. The wrath of God will come to judge. To judge as the creed say, the, the quick and the dead. Right? And because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross, that was the only, the one and only sufficient remedy for our problem. And so... It is when a person puts faith in Jesus Christ. Now the, the faith action that I do doesn't bring me glory. It's who I put my faith in. That's what brings glory. It's in Christ that we glorify Him. Think this through. This gift of salvation, this breastplate of righteousness, and these other items of the armor, it was given to the believer. You did not earn it. 
And no matter what you do, you cannot earn it in the future. You, you can't do more good works to earn his blessing. You can't earn it. It's out of his what? Out of his grace. That's what he's given to us. So being a gift, you didn't deserve it either, right? You didn't deserve it. You received it from God because of his grace and goodness, not because of your own good efforts. So a person who recognizes and is convicted in their heart of their guilty condition before God. Stay with me. If you understand that you're a sinner and you are convicted before a holy God, that he is perfect in every way, and that he demands perfect righteousness, we realize, you know what, I can't provide that righteousness. I can't offer that righteousness. I can't offer that perfect righteousness to God. Therefore, I'm guilty. I'm stuck. What do I do? And there it, there's the answer. Jesus Christ. And through faith in Jesus Christ, what does God do? He declares you righteous. That's called what? Justification. And how often do we, people that go to church, try to add to that? You know, we've got to remember, this is his work, his doing. It was a perfect work. We said it in Sunday school. You can't add to a perfect work. Okay? So, God justifies the sinful soul who puts faith in Jesus. They're justified. And it's a judicial term. So, basically, the judge takes the gavel and there it is. Boom. You're justified. You're justified in Christ. Romans 3. Chapter 3, verse 28. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Romans chapter 4. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his, his due. And to the one who does not work, but trusts him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So we get into this term, counted righteous, for you accounting people. That's a, it's a check mark on the, on the ledger. Now, with that check mark, it's been imputed. It's been credited to your account. What has? His righteousness. Okay? And the reason why we make a big deal out of this is because it's so easy for us to respond to Satan's deceit about how you maintain a good walk with God how, and how you're supposed to do more to get God's, more of God's favor. We, we get to thinking that in those terms. We need to understand what the Bible's counsel is, what the Bible's instruction is. So Romans 5, verse 1 through 3, say, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This is His working. Let me ask you a couple of questions here regarding this. Do you tend to think that God is typically angry with you? Maybe some say, no, I, I don't have that. But some of you, you might think that. You might think, yep, God is typically angry with me. Do you, or, or do you think you're, you're constantly, kind of regularly in trouble with God? 
You think that? You think he's kind of walked away from you because you messed up one too many times? He's kind of said, oh, I'll, I'll let that guy go. That, that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back here. Do you, do you think those kind of thoughts? You think you're a failure with God? You believe God's really just no longer interested in you and what you're doing? So we relate those kind of times and those kind of thoughts with just general feelings of unworthiness. And guess what? Satan got his foot in the door. Satan got his foot in the door. And all that means is to say he's got you backpedaling. Your position, your, your stance is unstable now. Why? Because you're thinking of what? You're thinking really of yourself. You're thinking of what you have failed in. And guess what? <laughs> we have failed in a lot. When it comes to God, you know, we've all failed. But see, our focus is in the wrong place. Our, our outlook is in the wrong place. Our, our attention is in the wrong place now. And so, my friend... We must put our eyes on Jesus Christ, who is the what? The author and finisher of our faith. He's a good author. And you and I need to respond and keep yielding ourselves to him and his work. Submit to him. That's the context of Ephesians 5 and 6. Keep submitting. Submit to him. Okay? And if we're thinking in those kind of negative terms, we really are demonstrating and displaying the fact that we're not wearing his breastplate of righteousness. Nor are we wearing the head, the helmet of salvation. Okay? We got to think in terms of readiness. Think in terms of being ready for the battle. And the battle is mostly in the mind, in the person's mind of how you're thinking about issues in your life, about people in your life, and are you responding with the truth, okay? We've got to call it out. If we're depending on our own earning power with God, then we will fail. Just mark that down. Get that straight. You'll never make it with God if you're trying to do it on your behavior, on your good works. That's not it. It's through a perfect sacrifice, and the only one that did that it's Jesus. You can't do it. I can't do it. No one can do that perfect work that he did. He accomplished it and said, it is finished. So it's absolutely critical that you understand justification. When the judge of all of creation the, and the judge of all humanity declares a sinner justified by faith in Christ. What a blessing. And so there's no boasting in keeping the law. There's no boasting in my good works. There's only boasting in Jesus Christ because he's imputed his, God's imputed Christ's righteousness, Christ's perfect righteousness to my account, to your account. Okay? Now, we've got to move on. There's more to say in that regard. Let us see the footwear of the gospel. Verse 15. It's the footwear... Of the gospel, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. I want to 
just bring this down to the fact that every soldier needs a good pair of shoes. And in Roman times, the Roman army had uh, basically what were spike-like sandals, things that would allow them to keep their ground and not slip around. Okay? It was obviously for maintaining greater stability in the battle. Okay? Keeping one's footing is critical. And for the believer to maintain the stance of the what? The stance of the gospel. That you're standing on the gospel news. Okay? And that's why he brings it in. The gospel of peace. The aim of the gospel is to bring forth peace to enemies. Enemies of God. You and I were once enemies. If you're a believer, we were once enemies of God. And through the gospel, we've been reconciled to God. And we have peace with God. Okay? So, losing one's footing results in the enemy being able to gain gain advance against us. So our footwear must be solid. Uh, We could call it the the Nike good uh, good news shoes. Okay? And uh, it is. It's good news shoes. You want to call them boots? Fine. Get your boots on and keep them on. Your sandals? Your, your running, whatever you want to call it, but have your shoes on. The gospel of peace. And to maintain that position. You know, going barefoot is cool. But going barefoot in a battle, you're not going to stand. And it's interesting that the Roman soldiers, you know, if, you know, having those spikes, all they need to do is stand or, you know, put their foot down on your bare foot and now you're down on your knees. What kind of stance is that? What kind of position is that in battle? So, the footwear of the gospel. We need to have a, a, a good snug fit with the gospel, the gospel of peace that we can not just move ahead with and, and make progress with. We've we got to remember, the whole context of this is to stand your position, stand firm in the battle. Okay, we move on. Letter D, the shield of faith. In all circumstances, take up the, the faith shield. Or to utilize the shield to guard ourselves, guard our lives from the fiery darts. We must have possession of that shield, not left at some other location, not left at home, not left at church. Always carry about the, field, the shield of faith. And the targets are, you know, it's the enemy shoots forth his fiery darts or arrows, if you will. He's not talking literally there. It's a figurative kind of a thing where you get you get hit by something. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know, it started something worse. Started a fire, you know, with you, so to speak. So we need to understand that the business of the, the shield of faith protects us from that. Okay, and again, this is not some little small round shield, but more of a, an oblong or rectangular shield to hide behind. God tells us that faith will only grow, will best grow as we feed upon his word. So that shield relates back to the word of God. Is the word of God happening uh, to transform your life? That's what we need is the word of God helping us in growing in faith. Letter E, the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation obviously protects the head. Without the helmet, 
you are left vulnerable. Your life is in danger. Obviously, head blows were frequent and uh, potentially just um, in, in real battle, uh, real danger comes without your helmet on. So the picture here that we have is to help us see the importance of protection of what we, what, of what we think. The helmet of salvation is about what you're thinking. Right? The mind of the believer must be protected with the, the guardianship of, the, of biblical salvation. Believing soul must be careful to guard his or her mind. Okay? When you think about being right with God, what comes to your mind? Again, it gets back to some of those questions we asked about the breastplate of righteousness. Do you think you've got to make lots of improvements? Well, yeah, we do. But how do you go about that? We've got to go about that through His grace, His gift of salvation to us. And and understand, what is the Bible telling me about salvation? Okay. Again, if we leave our helmet off, we end up with all sorts of distractions, especially in the battle zones of life. And what's the world's counsel? It continues to come forth. That, oh, you can, you can handle things yourself. You can save yourself. You can come up with your own idea about what to do. God's counsel is about, here's wisdom for us. And so we, we need to have the helmet of salvation on. What are you thinking about? When it comes to, the, you know, here's this afternoon. What, what's, what's on your mind? Are you walking about with the helmet of salvation on? Okay. The, this fact and this focus, keeping your eyes on Christ, is to, it means that you would keep your eyes on His amazing grace. Here's another self-evaluation kind of a question. Are you amazed... At being saved? Are you amazed? This is an important question. Don't don't write it off. Are you amazed at being saved? Because if we're not, if we have the attitude like, well, that's what God does. What is that suggesting? Like, in my thinking, that suggests that God kind of owes it to me to save me. You know, we're Americans. We got our rights. Oh, you know, it slips into our minds and, and how we think about things. Are you amazed at being saved? And how does that flow out of your, your, your conversation and, and all that you are? I tell you what, if you don't have the helmet of salvation on, then you won't think of it as being really amazed. Because why? The helmet of salvation is reminding you of the gospel. Okay? Of the gospel. You're, you're having the helmet on keeps your, your perspective on our blessed hope. Who's, he's the risen one. He's the returning one. And it helps keep discouraging thoughts from the mind. Letter F. The sword of the spirit. 
The sword of the Spirit is our main weapon. It's our visible weapon. It's not the big, huge one that the, the old soldiers have that goes down from their hip to their foot. This is a small one for up-close confrontations, especially you know regarding your survival. You've got to have a good grip on your sword. It, the Bible says it's the sword of the Spirit, the Word of the Lord, the Word of God. And so... That's where the belt of truth comes back in. That helped hold that little sword in place. And when it came time for the soldier to utilize his sword, he could pull it out. And it's, it's not a little dagger, but it's, you know, a, a big enough sword to do some damage. But the point isn't, you know, thrusting it into someone. The point is with the word of God. It's the word of God. Do you know how to use the word of God in confrontation in debate in talking and such because this is the idea when he says it's the sword of the spirit it's yours christian and it's the word of god and so the idea is that you are adept you are learning about using this ability of the sword in speaking okay the the word is rhema for the word here it's not logos, it's rhema. And it means more about speaking forth a verse, if you will. It's just like Jesus did in the, in the wilderness of temptation. When Satan tempted him, he responded with a specific word. That's the idea here in verse 17. So we need to be a good soldier, understand the very words of Scripture. We need to know that in our minds, but also live it out in our lives. We gird ourselves with a belt in the general sense, but the sword of the Spirit is more about specific use. Okay. Okay. That's a, that's a quick rundown of the elements of the armor of God. And here it's just about time to wrap it up and close. But you know what we haven't talked about yet? Point number two. This will go quicker than point number one. But it does not mean, listen, does not mean that it's less important. You know why? Number two is the soldier's secret weapon. You like secret weapons? Yeah. This is the soldier's secret weapon. Here's your communications with your commanding officer, Jesus. Your commander-in-chief, Jesus. This is your secret weapon. And I like to think of it that you put your helmet of salvation on and you've got that little earpiece and that communication tool to be talking to him all the time. And we don't have to have somebody else mediating between us. I don't have to go to Sergeant Smith. I can go directly to Commander Jesus. That's the idea of prayer. And that's the idea that this is not just here's the armor and now we're talking about prayer. No, here's the armor of God, and now here's the secret weapon of the believer, prayer. Okay? So, letter A. At all times with all types of prayer. At all times and with all types of prayer. Many times real-life soldiers were brought down and caught in prison due to a lack of communication with their superiors. Communications are absolutely critical for success in battle zones, and so too for us as believers. Not just mealtime. Oh, let's pray. We do that a lot. No, it's not just at mealtime, but all the time. Pray without ceasing. 
And think of this like you're breathing. Did you wake up this morning to stop and make yourself breathe? Say, I got to breathe. I think I'll breathe. No, you woke up and what? You started breathing. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. (laughs) You're not breathing while you're sleeping. You're breathing all the time, you know that. Okay, so you get the point. Great point. <laughs> but that's, that's what God intends our prayer life to be like. Just do it all the time. Be in talks with Him all the time. And it's with all sorts of kinds, right? Something that we gloss over in our lives a lot of times is the prayer of humility, the prayer of contri- contrition. We're just like, hey, God, how you doing? No, let's, let's humble ourselves. Let's humble ourselves before God. Prayer of, of humility, prayer of contrition, prayer of praises, prayer of supplication, praying for someone, praying for someone to be healed, praying for someone to be uh, learning to grow in their faith, praying, supplications of prayer, um, petitions, thanksgiving, Prayers of thanksgiving. You know, I think it just is a delight to God's father heart to hear his children giving him thanks. Today, give God thanks for the little things. Okay? So you pray at all times, with all types. Letter B, you pray in the spirit, totally relying on him. But sometimes here's what happens with this idea. Oh, pray in the spirit. That means it's kind of, kind of experience based no it's based on the scripture it's based on relying on god and we learn of what that means prayer in the spirit by being in the word of god it's not some ecstatic emotional experience where we're praying in the spirit who's understanding that the idea is that we pray with understanding and, and not so much for that experience, but to exalt. Don't go with the experience. Go with exalting God in your prayers. Study prayers in the Bible. Prayers like the, the Apostle Paul. Prayers like Daniel. Nehemiah in, his, in, in that book. His prayer. Others. Okay? Relying on God in your praying. Learning from God as you pray. Let us see. You're on the alert, praying on the alert, praying like a good soldier, always on the watch. And then letter D, prayer for what matters most. It's that we pray for one another to speak up. We mentioned it this morning. Dave mentioned it in prayer time. You and I, as Christians, we are lights of the world. Okay? The idea would be that we'd speak forth the the light of God's word, his truth, and share it with others. Now, I don't want to belittle praying for those who are sick. We need to pray for those who are sick. But do you read anything in in verses 18 through 20 about praying for the sick? Yeah, we, we have that in other passages. But here, it's about exalting Christ and speaking forth in bold ways. He's saying, let's do that for each other. And then Paul says, and please do it for me so that I might declare the gospel That's what it winds up being. Because why? Paul understands we are in a battle zone. Okay? So when we pray, 
We're remembering this is our secret weapon. And we can pray at all times. And don't you think that it, it's hitting the ceiling and, and not going anywhere? I don't know where that thought came from. It, it's like, here's our, like our feelings again. I just feel like my prayers just hit the ceiling and fall to the ground. Well, you're not being in the word of God. You don't have the helmet of salvation on. You don't have that breastplate of righteousness or the belt of truth around you. That's what helps us understand is by being in the word of God to understand some of these things about, is this my feeling or is this based on truth? Folks, we do have a battle that we're in. And uh, as, as it's been said in the past, you don't know what kind of battle your neighbor sitting right next to you is going through. They might be very adept at covering it up. And so that last passage, verses 18 through 20, speak about the importance of praying. And so I want to encourage us not only about being aware of the enemy, but being equipped to deal with him with our armor on, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, the, the shoes of the gospel, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. All saturated with what? A praying heart. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the many examples that we see connecting to a passage like this. I thank you, Lord, um, that you have equipped us as your children and uh, we confess that many times we're not ready. We're not, not really uh, dressed in, in Christ or in our armor, as we say. Please help us, Lord, in being ready. Because the enemy never uh, really slows up. And make us people uh, who are light bearers, ready to share the gospel with others. Um, please be glorified in our lives and in this church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks so much. God bless you.